Chapter Sixteen of Ormond by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. The evening after the departure of the happy trio, who were gone to Dublin to buy wedding dresses, the party remaining at Castle Corney consisted only of King Corney, Ormond, and Father Joss when the candles were lighted his majesty gave a long and loud yawn harry set the backgammon table for him and father joss as usual settled himself in the chimney-corner and now mademoiselle's gone said he i shall take leave to indulge myself in my pipe you are on the continent this morning father joss said cornelius did you learn any news for us sighs ace that secures two points news i did said father joss why not tell it us then i was not asked you both seemed so wrapped up i waited my time and opportunity there's a new parson come to castle hermitage what new person said king corney doublets aces harry a new parson i'm talking of said father joss that has just got the living there and they say sir ulick's mad about it in dublin where he is still mad three men up and you can't enter harry well what is he mad about because of the presentation to the living replied the priest which government wouldn't make him a compliment of as he expected he is always expecting compliments from government said corney and always getting disappointments such throws as you have harry sixes again well what luck all over with me it is only a hit at any rate but what kind of man continued he is this new clergyman oh them parsons is all one kind said father joss all one kind no no more than our own priests said corney there's good and bad and all the difference in life i don't know anything at all about it said father joss sullenly but this i know that no doubt he'll soon be over here or his proctor looking for the tithes i hope we will have no quarrels said corney they ought to be abolished said father joss the tithes that is i mean and the quarrels too i hope said ormond oh it's not our fault if there's quarrels said father joss faults on both sides generally in all quarrels said corney in lay quarrels like enough said father joss in church quarrels it don't become a good catholic to say that what said corney that said the priest which said corney that which you said that there's faults on both sides sure there's but one side and that's our own side can be in the right there can't be two right sides can there and consequently there won't be two wrong sides will there ergo there cannot by a parity of reasoning be two sides in the wrong well harry i'll take the black men now and gammon you said corney play away man what are you thinking of is it of what father joss said tis beyond the limits of the human understanding father joss puffed away at his pipe for some time i was tired and ashamed of all the wrangling for tuppence with the last man said king corney and i believe i was sometimes too hard and too hot myself but if this man's a gentleman i think we shall agree did you hear his name or anything at all about him father 
he is one of them refugee families the huguenots banished france by the edict of nantes they say and his name's cambray cambray exclaimed ormond a very good name said o'shane but what do you know of it harry only sir i happened to meet with the dr cambray the winter i was in dublin whom i thought a very agreeable respectable amiable man and i wonder whether this is the same person there is something more now harry ormond i know by your face said corney there's some story of or belonging to dr cambray what is it no story only a slight circumstance which if you please i'd rather not tell you sir said ormond that is something very extraordinary and looks mysterious said father joss nothing mysterious i assure you said ormond a mere trifle which if it concerned only myself i would tell directly let him alone father said king corney i am sure he has a good reason and i'm not curious only let me whisper this in your ear to show you my own penetration harry i'd lay my life said he stretching over and whispering i'd lay my life miss anerley has something to do with it miss anerley nothing in the world only yes i recollect she was present there now would not anybody think i'm a conjurer a physiognomist is cousin to and not twice removed from a conjurer but i assure you though you happen to guess right partly as to her being present you are totally mistaken sir as to the rest my dear harry totally means wholly if i'm right in a part i can't be mistaken in the whole i am glad to make you smile anyway and i wish i was right altogether and that you was as rich as croesus into the bargain but stay a bit if you come home a hero from the wars that may do ladies are mighty fond of heroes it was in vain that ormond assured his good old imaginative friend that he was upon a wrong scent cornelius stopped to humour him but was convinced that he was right then turned to the still smoking father joss and went on asking questions about dr cambray i know nothing at all about him said father joss but this that father mccormick has dined with him if i'm not misinformed oftener than i think becomin in these times making too free and in the chapel last sunday i hear he made a very extraordinary address to his flock there was one took down the words and handed them to me after remarking on the great distress of the season first and foremost about the keeping of fast days the year he allowed the poor of his flock which is almost all to eat meat whenever offered to them because said he many would starve now mark the obnoxious word if it was not for their benevolent protestant neighbors who make soup and broth for them what is there obnoxious in that said cornelius wait till you hear the end and feed and clothe the distressed that is not obnoxious either i hope said ormond laughing young gentlemen you belong to the establishment and are no judge in this case permit me to remark 
said father joss and i could wish mr o'shane would hear to the end before he joins in a protestant laugh i've heard of a protestant wind before said harry but not of a protestant laugh well i'm serious father joss said corney let me hear to the end what makes your face so long and i am sorry to say show more charity to them than their own people the rich catholics sometimes do if that is not downright slander i don't know what is said father joss are you sure it is not truth father said corney and if it was even so much the worse to be telling it in the chapel and to his flock very improper in a priest very extraordinary conduct father joss worked himself up to a high pitch of indignation and railed and smoked for some time while o'shane and ormond joined in defending mccormick and his address to his flock and even his dining with the new clergyman of the parish father joss gave up and had his punch the result of the whole was that ormond proposed to pay his respects the next morning to dr cambray very proper said o'shane do so fit you should you are of his people and you are acquainted with the gentleman and i'd have you go and show yourself safe to him that we've made no tampering with you father joss could not say so much therefore he said nothing o'shane continued a very exact church-goer at the little church there you've always been at the other side of the lake i never hindered make what compliment you will proper for me say i'm too old and clumsy for morning visitings and never go out of my islands but still i can love my neighbor in or out of them and hope in the name of peace to be on good terms shan't be my fault if them tithes come across then i wish that bone of contention was from between the two churches meantime i'm not snarling if others is not craving and i'd wish for the look of it for your sake harry that it should be all smooth so say anything you will for me to this dr cambray though we are of a different faith i should do anything in reason reason what's that about reason said father joss i hope faith comes before reason and after it too i hope father said corney father joss finished his punch and went to sleep upon it ormond next morning paid his visit dr cambray was not at home but harry was charmed with the neatness of his house and with the amiable and happy appearance of his family he had never before seen mrs cambray or her daughters though he had met the doctor in dublin the circumstance which harry had declined mentioning when corney questioned him about his acquaintance with dr cambray was very slight though father joss had imagined it to be of mysterious importance it had happened that among the dissipated set of young men with whom marcus o'shane and harry had passed that winter in dublin a party had one sunday gone to hear the singing at the asylum and had behaved in a very unbecoming manner during the service dr cambray preached he spoke to the young gentleman afterwards with mild but becoming dignity harry ormond instantly sensible of his error 
made proper apologies and erred no farther but marcus o'shane in particular who was not accustomed to endure anything much less any person that crossed his humour spoke of dr cambray afterwards with vindictive bitterness and with all his talents of mimicry endeavoured to make him ridiculous harry defended him with a warmth of ingenuous eloquence which did him honour and with truth courage and candour that did him still more corrected some of marcus's misstatements declaring that they had all been much to blame lady annerley and her daughter were present and this was one of the circumstances to which her ladyship had alluded when she said that some things had occurred that had prepossessed her with a favourable opinion of ormond's character dr cambray knew nothing of the attack or the defence till some time afterwards and it was now so long ago and harry was so much altered since that time that it was scarcely to be expected the doctor should recollect even his person however when dr cambray came to the black islands to return his visit he did immediately recognize ormond and seemed so much pleased with meeting him again and so much interested about him that corney's warm heart was immediately won independently of this the doctor's persuasive benevolent politeness could not have failed to operate as it usually did even on a first acquaintance in pleasing and conciliating even those who were of opposite opinions there now said corney when the doctor was gone there now is a sincere minister of the gospel for you and a polite gentleman into the bargain now that's politeness that does not trouble me that's not for show that's for us not himself mark and conversation why that man has conversation for the prince and the peasant the courtier and the anchorite did not he find plenty for me and got more out of me than i thought was in me and the same if i'd been a monk of la trappe he would have made me talk like a pie now there's a man of the high world that the low world can like very different from poor corney paused checked himself and then resumed principles religion and all no hindrance liberal and sincere too well i only wish father joss no offence i only wish for dr cambray's sake and the catholic church's sake i was for one day archbishop of canterbury or primate of all ireland or whatever else makes the bishops in your church and i'd skip over dean and archdeacon and all and make that man clean a bishop before night harry smiled and wished he had the power as well as the good will father joss said a man ought to be ashamed not to think of his own first now harry don't think i'd make a bishop lightly continued king corney i would not i've been a king too long for that and though only a king of my own fashion i know what's fit for governing a country observe me cousin ulick would make a job of a bishop but i would not nor i wouldn't to please my fancy now don't think i'd make that man a bishop just because he noticed and praised my jimcracks and inventions and substitutes father joss smiled and demurely abased his eye 
oh then you don't know me as well as you think you do father said o'shane nor what's more harry not his noting down the two regiments to make inquiry for friends for you harry shouldn't have bribed me to partiality though i could have kissed his shoe-ties for it mercy on you said father joss this doctor has bewitched you but did you mind then persisted corney the way he spoke of that cousin of mine sir ulic who he saw i did not like and who has been as you tell us bitter against him and even against his getting the living well the way this dr cambray spoke then pleased me good morals without preaching there's do good to your enemies the true christian doctrine and the hardest point oh let father joss say what he will there's the man will be in heaven before many heretic or no heretic harry father joss shrugged up his shoulders and then fixing the glass in his spectacles replied we shall see better when we come to the tithes that's true said corney he walked off to his workshop and took down his fowling-piece to put the finishing stroke to his work for the next day which was to be the first day of partridge shooting he looked forward with delight anticipating the gratification he should have in going out shooting with harry and trying his new fowling-piece but i won't go out to-morrow till the post has come in for my mind couldn't enjoy the sport till i was satisfied whether the answer could come about your commission harry my mind misgives me that is my calculation tells me that it will come to-morrow good corney's calculations were just the next morning the little post-boy brought answers to various letters which he had written about ormond one to ormond from sir ulic o'shane repeating his approbation of his wards going into the army approving of all the steps cornelius had taken especially of his intention of paying for the commission all's well cornelius said the next letter was from cornelius's banker saying that the five hundred pound was lodged ready all well the army agent wrote that he had commissions in two different regiments waiting mr o'shane's choice and orders per return of post to purchase in conformity that's all well general albemarle's answer to mr o'shane's letter was most satisfactory in terms that were not merely officially polite but kind he assured mr o'shane that he should as far as it was in his power pay attention to the young gentleman whom mr o'shane had so strongly recommended to his care and by whose appearance and manner the general said he had been prepossessed when he saw him some months ago at corney castle there was a commission vacant in his son's regiment which he recommended to mr ormond the very thing i could have wished for you my dear boy you shall go off the day after to-morrow not a moment's delay i'll answer the letters this minute but harry reminded him that the post did not go out till the next day and urged him not to lose this fine day this first day of the season for partridge shooting time enough for my business after we come home the post does not go out till morning that's true come off then let's enjoy the fine day sent us and my gun too i forgot for i do believe harry i love you better even than my gun 
said the warm-hearted corny call moriarty let us have him with us he'll enjoy it beyond all one of the last days shooting with his own prince harry but poor fellow we'll not tell him that moriarty and the dogs were summoned and the fineness of the day and the promise of good sport put moriarty in remarkably good spirits by degrees king corney's own spirits rose and he forgot that it was the last day with prince harry and he enjoyed the sport after various trials of his new fowling piece both the king and the prince agreed that it succeeded to admiration but even in the midst of his pride in his success and his joy in the sport his superior fondness for harry prevailed and showed itself in little almost delicate instances of kindness which could hardly have been expected from his unpolished mind as they crossed a bog he stooped every now and then and plucked different kinds of bog plants and heaths here harry said he mind these for dr cambray remember yesterday his mentioning that a daughter of his was making a botanical collection and there's sheila can tell you all the irish names and uses some i can note for you myself and here this minute by great luck the very thing he wanted the andromeda i'll swear to it throw away all and keep this carry it to her to-morrow for i will have you make a friend of that dr cambray and no way so sure or fair to the father's heart as by proper attention to the daughter i know that by myself hush now till i have that partridge Whirr. shot him clean my dear gun was not that good harry thus they continued their sport till late and returning loaded with game had nearly reached the palace when corney who had marked a covey quitted harry and sent his dog to spring it at a distance much greater than the usual reach of a common fowling-piece harry heard a shot and a moment afterwards a violent shout of despair he knew the voice to be that of moriarty and running to the spot from whence it came he found his friend his benefactor weltering in his blood the fowling-piece overloaded had burst and a large splinter of the barrel had fractured the skull and had sunk into the brain as moriarty was trying to raise his head o'shane uttered some words of which all that was intelligible was the name of harry ormond his eye was fixed on harry but the meaning of the eye was gone he squeezed harry's hand and an instant afterwards o'shane's hand was powerless the dearest the only real friend harry ormond had upon earth was gone forever chapter sixteen